biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was a in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel and I'm here in studio today alone by myself. Jacob's on the phone though. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing well. I've been uh, working on stories and staying way past my bedtime. So yeah, I, uh, I'm a little tired, but I'm okay. What is your bedtime normally? Like 1 a.m. Oh. Normally, the last couple of days, it's been like 3 a.m., 6 a.m. It's not been good. That's so. not good, Jacob. Gotta take care of yourself. And today we've also got got Antonio on the phone today. Antonio is the owner of Valiant Co. You may recognize his CSGO team that's currently competing at DreamHack. Antonio, how are you today? Uh, tired, like the last days or weeks have been tiring in general and like struggling to have at least four hours of sleep a day. So you can imagine. I feel like this is a common gripe in esports. Like no one ever gets enough sleep. Uh, pretty tired with yeah, industry, I mean, to be honest. Yeah, you have to understand it's a nomadic sport, you know. There is no home base, there is like there is no support that uh, traditional teams have uh, that everything is like by the book and by the schedule. So it's like pretty hectic and uh, demanding uh, time-wise, I must say. Right, for sure. So uh, for those of you who might, might not know, Antonio is actually the founder of Valiance and he has teams in games such as Class Royale, Overwatch, Vainglory and CSGO. Now, we know your CSGO team got their start just six months ago, Antonio, but before we get into the weeds, how did you get your start in esports? Um, I mean, I'm in gaming for a very, very long time. Uh, I was in corporate business for, uh, I don't know, 15 years. I got bored of it, and uh, I said to myself, you know what, I want to do something fun for me. And like a little less than two years, I started a mobile esports company focusing on uh, tournaments for mobile esports games like Critical Ops, Clash Royale, uh, and such. And basically from there, because the mobile esports scene is very young, I said to myself, you know what, I need to have some kind of learnings from Tier 1 esports. And uh, there was this team in Serbia, which is like very close to my home country, I've been following. And somehow I said, these guys are great, they're lacking support, and... Uh, it's not a lot of money that we need to burn because, like, when you're investing into esports, it's, well, kind of a gamble, right? Right. So I just went, went into it and mostly because of the learnings and everything. Right. Now, you know, your organization has a big emphasis on mobile esports, and that's, you know, I'm not too sold on it yet, but what encouraged you to get into that scene early on? Um. Uh, when I was discussing with investors, uh, I mean, nobody was doing it on a level that we wanted to do it and to provide that uh, high quality of content production and that uh, event organization. And it made sense. Uh, we made the first partnership with Critical Force, which is like a counter-strike for mobile, which grew from 200,000 daily users to like 1.5 million daily users, which is more than counter-strike has. And the scene is enormous. Uh, the difficulty is that basically it's a very young player base. So we were betting at future, you know, like um, eSports at that time, and still is, it's very saturated with these with this big names like uh, ESL, DreamHack. I mean, MTG Group is there, and, like, uh, there is a lot of money flowing into eSports, but it's a very elitistic environment, and this is why I chosen, like, let's say, the uh, uh, easier path. Let's do mobile eSports, 
today, less competition, uh, less money and like uh, industry to be developed. And somehow it made sense for me. So it seems to me something I've kind of struggled with with mobile esports is is that truly like the conversion rate from a casual player on a cell phone or a tablet to someone who goes and opens Twitch and, and watches a competition, it's very low. We see all of these like very huge numbers of engagement for mobile esports, whether it be Clash Royale or Hearthstone on the phone, um, or even like some of those the sports titles, sports sim titles like Madden and NBA 2K. You know, they have hundreds of millions of players, but their viewership is in the in the lower thousands, really, if that at times. What do you think it's going to take to make it where those people that play regularly are tuning into esports streams and supporting the ecosystem? I mean, um, in general, mobile esports is still very young. Uh, Twitch client, in general, like uh, Twitch is more desktop oriented. It has its own community, and uh, mobile esports caters to very young demographics. So these are 13 to 17 year old players, um, and this is not your casual player, and uh, they don't have this PC background. So I think it will uh, still take some time to grow up the community. Uh, there is no uh, 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 viewership numbers uh, per se, as you say. Uh, but now with the changes, like let's let's just like refer to uh, Clash Royale League and what Supercell did. Um, they completely broke down the esports scene as it was to rebuild it from scratch. We need to see and wait uh, this year for Supercell and how this like very casual game that my mom plays will turn out in terms of spectatorship as esports. So I think it's the market that still needs to be developed, um, but very few companies tried. Uh, Super Evil Megacorp with Vainglory, uh, more or less successful uh, Clash Royale now, Supercell Clash Royale, and like Arena of Weller, they're like investing a lot of money into everything. But I think the education of the young players and of this this target group uh, will will take some time to, to bring that viewership numbers up. You know, Antonio, with moving away from mobile esports for just a moment, I, w- I was wondering what other spaces you were looking forward to in the esports scene. I mean, with League of Legends, you know, there's franchising coming in the EU LCS. So is that, is that a space that you're planning to enter in the future or is it on your radar? I mean, definitely it is. Uh, I was, uh, like, last two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, I was at the GDC, uh, Games Developer Conference in San Francisco. And, like, if you take a look at Valiance, what do we do? I mean, we have this uh, tournament organization side and content production side. So we have a platform, content production, uh, and then basically on top of that, uh, we invested in the Counter-Strike team. So just to uh, make it clear, we do not uh, have a team in Overwatch or League of Legends. We had one in uh, Clash Royale. We let it go because of the changes, and we have a team in Counter-Strike. So basically, mm, when I was evaluating and, like, trying to touch base with myself what I want to personally do in next years, I uh, like evaluated the space and basically created the list of uh, top teams in eSports and tried to dig up the information about their valuations, right? And now you see these teams like, I don't know, Fnatic, uh, which is a uh, European organization, we could say, uh, Cloud9, Team Liquid, Immortals, Complexity Gaming from US. And when you see their valuation numbers, this is just crazy. Um, and like that, 
like opened like a bit of light in my head and said like I can do a esports uh, tournament platform and like a lot of production for esports, but it's service oriented business. It's never, you know, it's never going to be as huge as running an esports team. And then when you uh, create a list, you very very soon notice there is only 16 or 20 organizations in the world that are super professional, and this is your competitive environment. So basically you have this industry which has huge barrier to entry. It's very difficult to be in the top 16 in the world in any game, but once when you're there, all of that sponsorship money, all of, all of, all of the money that is going into esports basically goes in the level of, eight, let's say, 80% goes to those teams. And uh, this barrier to entry made me like uh, very, very interesting to think about it and to say to myself, like if I want to be in esports, this is the space where we should like very very high focus, and this is now why we are doing such a work with our team, and this is why we want to expand other teams. Now coming back to your question, uh, Riot started EU LCS now. The franchise price is like eight million, so it's a lot of money to uh, to persuade investors in Europe to give you just to have a, a, a spot in the league. However. Riot is making sure that those revenues are repaid back through uh, uh, all sorts of streams like uh, viewership rights and, uh, and the rights from sponsorships. So it's a good business model. Once when you're in, it's, uh, it's very secure. You don't, have a huge competitive, you don't have a huge competitive environment. It's not a platform that somebody can come tomorrow and copy. Like you can have an Uber started in China, but some Chinese company does it. You need to exit. And uh, I think this is what is so interesting with esports. And one more parallel, uh, 20 years ago, you would probably be able to buy an NBA team for 200 million, and today that team works like billions. I think that's where esports is headed. So from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense now to be in this space today and to build it for the future. What is what is it like raising money for a startup in Europe? I know what it's like in the U.S. It's very well documented. Uh, the kind of like Silicon Valley mo- model, your your evaluation is sky high, and and obviously a lot of people don't fulfill that, and that's why you see a lot of companies close. But what is that like in Europe comparatively? So uh, Europe is very fragmented. You have like uh, 28 European countries. Each country has its own culture. So it's an open market, but like it's very different to raise money in Finland, which is like a very small country with lots of money on the market, and in Germany. Um, it's difficult depending on the, on the country itself. I can give you perspective from Germany. Um, there is money. There are investors. Uh, they're pretty, uh, uh, how to say they're pretty um, conservative. They want to see growth. They want to see numbers. Uh, they want to see revenue streams. They follow up daily with you. So basically, if you raise a seed round, let's say 500 or 1 million euros, um, you uh, definitely will have your investors being involved in your startup uh, to make sure that it's going very well. It's not easy as in the U.S., I mean, for Valiance, we did raise the first seed round with just an idea and the seed deck from a Finnish company. Uh, but still, our investors, they support us 100%, but they want to be close and uh, uh, watch how the investment is growing. There is, um, in, in Europe, it's very difficult to raise huge amounts of money just based on the user numbers. And if you don't have revenue, 
um, it's, it's not that easy. Basically, in Europe, the difference is investors are betting on the companies that are sure that they're going to succeed. All right. Well said. We're about to cut to break for just one second. But before we do that, if you have some spare time, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. You can also tweet us your thoughts at Rachel Youngu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at Antonio Mayek. Also, you can find us in the ESPN app, and if you subscribe to eSports in it, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. Hey everyone, we're back with the ESPN eSports podcast. Before we kick things off, Jacob has a word from our sponsors. Gamers like to customize everything, from their gaming rig all the way down to the way their characters look. And now Schick has developed a way for them to customize their shave too. Introducing new Schick Hydro 5 Sense razors and refills. Equipped with innovative shock absorb technology, the razor auto-adjusts based on how you shave, backing off or adding pressure when needed. Three custom gel formula refill cartridges enable you to further personalize your shave. They're available in hydrate gel with coconut oil to hydrate throughout each shave, comfort gel with herbal extracts to comfort skin, and energized gel with menthol to wake up tired-looking skin. For the last few weeks, I've been using Schick. They sent me some products uh, when they started sponsoring the podcast. I'm actually a really big fan of them. They give me a really nice, clean shave, and I love the way that my skin looks and feels both after the shave. So if you like shaving, if you do shave, then support Schick the way they support us here at this podcast. Customize your shave with new Schick Hydro 5 Cents, available now at Walmart for an everyday low price. For more savings, visit Schick.com. Now, Antonio, I want to talk about Valiance for a second. You know, they were the biggest underdog coming into DreamHack this week, and at the time of recording, the team just stepped away from a loss from Mouse Esports. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you're expecting from the team for the rest of the tournament and, you know, for the rest of the season, actually. Uh, yeah, well, uh, for anybody that was watching that match, it was like uh, we were sinking. And uh, for me, uh, you know, we were playing the first day and we were playing the finals. So the first match we had was a final match for us. It's a team that is second on the HLTV uh, ranking list. One of the teams that has the highest growth. So basically, for us, this was uh, the the true finals match. Uh, we made it to 13-13, and then very few little mistakes led it that we lost those three uh, rounds and basically lost the game. However, um, it's the general result that counts. So we lost. Um, for me, this game was like a larger of life because it was. It would be a set like a new milestone in general, you know, to be the underdog and to win over uh, the team that is like respected and such a big team as Mouse Heat Sports. But it's Counter Strike. Uh, we came here. This is our first bigger or first first event of this size where we are competing with top 16 teams. So like uh, we were not expecting to win, but we were hoping to win, and we were working like crazy last weeks uh, to get ourselves prepared and this is the result it's like this means that ranking does not mean anything team that is ranked 32 in the world can play and almost win a team that is second ranked so this gives me confidence that what we are doing is right and that we need to continue however we need to polish on several details uh, we are cons- we are looking for a new coach uh, 
we are uh, now starting a team house uh, here in Europe, uh, which is going to have a support for the team in terms of the sports psychologist that is working with uh, a, a representation from handball. I know it's not a sport that is famous, but we are onboarding people that are actually going to help us bridge this like 2% that we need to be in top five for the rest of our lives. So, I mean, if you put a lot of effort in it, uh, result is definitely going to be there. What's next for us? Well, um, you know, set uh, uh, tears and pain, I guess. Uh, <laughs> after this, after this uh, event, we are going to go home, evaluate what we did, and start preparing for the minor, hoping that we are going to go to next major and starting just grinding ourselves on the tournaments. And it's a never-ending story, you know. You need to play 16 hours a day to make it. And uh, people who don't have this in their mindset, I don't know, can they succeed? It's a very, very difficult sport, I would say. Antonio, our time's running out, so I wanted to ask if there were any final words you wanted to say to your fans. No, I mean... um, Big thanks for everybody that is supporting us. We are definitely the smallest and uh, the least known organization in in the universe, but like we're here, we came and we plan to stay. I'm going to make sure of that uh, just by the determination that we have and uh, with amazing people that we're working. I think Rachel and Jacob, we are going to succeed. And I just want to give big thanks to everybody that are giving us their attention to us now currently. It takes a lot of hard work. Uh, I know that we have still many, many games that we need to play and have in our feet, so to say. So basically, uh, just big thanks to everybody. And thanks thanks to you guys as well. All right. Well, that's all we have for the podcast today. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you so much, Antonio, for joining me. For more esports content, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports, or you can give us a follow on Twitter at Rachel Youngu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at Antonio Mayer. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.